Radio. This is Catholics Read on Cradio.org.au. Hello and welcome to this episode of Catholics Read. I'm Luke. And I'm Chiara. And I'm Victoria. And in this episode, we are reading A Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens, which is... Uh, which is our first Dickens. Yes, yes it is. Um, we haven't read one. We're in the 46th episode now, so... 47th. 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 We're in the 47th. Yeah, 47th. 47th episode. And we haven't even touched Dickens yet up until now, oh. so... And this is also our Christmas special. It is, it Woo. is. This is coming out during the, the Christmas Season. Period, season. Uh, we're recording this on Christmas Eve, actually, which is very appropriate because mm. this is oh, this when t- this, this, this is takes a- place. Yes, um, and so it's plot summary, I suppose, yeah, first up, plot summary, um, an old elderly, miserly, crotchety, awful old man named Ebenezer Scrooge. Um, is, I mean, you probably don't even need to describe his character because he's, he's the Grinch. He's, well, he's, he's a human his, Grinch. His name <laughs> has entered the English lexicon. Yes, yes, like, Scrooge yes. is now yeah. a term. Yes. So. Um, he's the one from which Bar Humbug originates. Yes, mm. it's one of his favourite phrases um, is Bar Humbug. And he hates Christmas and he hates everything in general, as far as I can tell. And um, he is visited by the ghost of his former business partner, um, Marley. Marley. And Marley is a frightful sight. He is a poor ghost destined to wander covered in chains and mm. um, full of, uh, chains that are full of money and deeds and all sorts of all other stuff, all the things that were important to him in his earthly life and are now haunting him in his, uh, in his afterlife. And he ba- Marley tells Scrooge that you will be, ha- you know, you, I, I am into, this is an intervention, <laughs> effectively. This is an intervention for the sake of your soul. And so you don't end up like me. And so you're going to be visited by three spirits um, come, you know, th- on, on this night. And you need to change your ways or else you'll end up like me and be miserable in the afterlife. Check yourself before you wreck yourself. Yeah, something like that. Um, the Victoria. <laughs> and so Scrooge so Scrooge is visited by the ghosts of Christmas past who takes him through his childhood and early adult experiences and you see why he ended up the awful old man he is. Um, cuz there's lots of tragedy and you know, uh, yeah. you know, you see, you see you see that pro like joys that, that joys in the tragedies, percent. but mostly the tragedy that led him to be the bitter awful person he is and then the ghost of christmas present comes along who's this very jolly santa santa uh yeah, father christmas like, type character he's yeah. father christmas is who he is effectively the british notion of father christmas not the american santa claus which is a different kettle of fish altogether actually and um you know christmas and the christmas present takes him throughout you know london town showing all the celebrations of the christmas that were going on at the time and he spends basically his invisible time as a phantom with the ghost of christmas present at the house of his uh, not his nephew he's um sort of split in two isn't it yeah well they talk about his nephew in the ghost of christmas past uh, his Um, secretary's clerk yes his clerk clerk his clerk um who is who and they are you know they're not wealthy people they're rather poor people and he has many delightful children, and one of them, and his youngest one, is crippled. Yes. Um, and Tiny Tim. Tiny Tim. Mm-hmm. And um, so basically, Scrooge, you know, sees that you know the delight and the joys of this family, and the richness and the warmth and all that sort of stuff. And you know, it's and you know, it's delightful, and you know, it's it's wonderful. And he's you know, you can see him sort of slowly starting to sort of realize the error of his ways, and then the 
Ghost of Christmas, which is the most terrifying one of all, I think, in my personal opinion. The Ghost of Christmas Future comes to visit him, um, who's kind of like a Grim Reaper-type character, well, he almost. Doesn't, he doesn't, yeah, he's, he's yeah. wearing, like, a cloak and you can't see his face. Yeah. And, and he doesn't speak. Yes, and so um, the Ghost of Christmas Future basically reveals to Scrooge what his future would be if he doesn't change his ways. Mm. And it's rather dark and horrible. Scrooge dies alone and unloved. Tiny Tim ends up dying because Scrooge won't give his clerk the raise that he needs to afford the medical care for Timmy. And, yeah, it's, it's, it's horrible. It's really, really horrible. And then Scrooge wakes up on Christmas morning, a, to- a totally changed man. Mm. And, um, you know, it's and everyone lives happily imagine, ever after, imagine, basically. Have you seen, have you seen that uh, the Simpsons reference? We have to have oh, that. yes. When he gets, the, when he gets the, um, the hair thing, he puts that thing in his hair. Where he puts um, which who's he? Uh, Homer. So right. Homer uh, has this context, uh, this please. Shampoo, this shampoo thing that he puts in his hair, and he wakes up the next morning. He's got like these this like big huge <laughs> of hair, and he runs. It's from a completely different movie. He runs out. It's a reference to that. But he runs out into the streets, and he's like celebrating. And he sees another guy across. The other guy has like hair as well. And, like they say the name of the hair brand, and they come up and they hug and that kind of. That's kind of what I imagine. Scrooge is like, and everybody, so everybody happy. else is looking rather confused, begin going like, "Is this Ebenezer Scrooge that we know that won't even give a donation to the poor at Christmas time?" And yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's just yeah, who barely lets his poor clerk have the day off for Christmas Day. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. You know, he lets him have the day off. Yes. Got to come in early, early the next yeah, day. Yeah, and uh, bar humbug and all that. So, yeah, yes, Scrooge um, is a is a in is is an, is a ubiquitous character, I think, in the English language as a result of this story. This absolutely. this this story has never been out of print since it was first published in 1840 in the 1840s, and it was you know, and Charles Dickens was kind of in a bit of a lull at the time. He wasn't really okay. getting any. He wasn't really getting anywhere with many of his other more political books, and so he realised he needed to write a commercial success in order to keep himself going. And he still managed to. <laughs> That's really interesting. Well, it, huh. it also, like he also loved Christmas as well. And Victorian England was a very interesting time for Christmas traditions. Actually, if you're a social historian. Um, you, it's there's a, there was a lot of new things coming in, like Christmas trees from we Germany. Can, yes, Christmas trees were a German tradition that were being introduced that to England. Prince Albert brought over because yeah. he married Victoria in yes. 1940. Yes, and Woo. 1840, not 1940. What did I say? 1940. Yeah. I'm sorry about that. 1840. Yes, sorry, I got me confused. Um, yes, yeah, so there were, and you know, Christmas cards were a new thing then too. And then there are also all the old ancient English traditions like holly and ivy and evergreen mm. decorations and goose at Christmas time and mashed potatoes and all those other delicious Christmas caroling was big at the time as well. And so Dickens has this beautiful sort of very, very rich tapis- cultural tapestry which to illustrate, which he does in great detail. It's really, really delightful, really great detail. About how like there's that fog in the opening scene, mm. how it's just so, like, I've never it's, experienced because Australia doesn't get this, but, like, just this, it's three o'clock in the afternoon, and it's just dark, and it's cold, and everyone's out there. But you still have, like, shops, you know, wanting to, which, I guess, um, the, the narrator comments on, I think the narrator comments on the absurdity of of it, like, because it's, I don't know. Um, and then you have the, the caroler who comes to the door, and Scrooge kind of just get out of here, you know. Yeah. So it's um. And in our audio book recording that we were listening to, the guy actually sang that bit. It was "God rest yeah. you merry gentlemen," and yeah. then Scrooge just, get out of here. Don't want to hear you singing that. 
It was, and, um, um, then the person comes up and asks for donations, and yes, yeah, and then finally the his, his clerk the, uh, wants to leave, and, and he has goes on this massive spiel about how it's the government rotting you of one day of Wait, wages or something. Where no one like, does any so, work. We, we need we need to talk about this because, like, I just find it so. We'll do this a bit later, maybe. From his but, point of view, if you think of Christmas as a complete waste of time, he's he's got a point. Like, I have to pay someone to have this day off, and yeah, it's like kind of if, funny. You, if, if you if I if you had to work a whole day and I didn't pay you, it says a rip off. But you get to pay. Like, it's just, it's I quite, pay you and you do nothing. Um, yeah, it's, it's fascinating. Yeah, it's quite yeah. funny. An economic um, read of this. Um, well, not an economic, maybe a. Economic, social, oh, political reading. Philosophical reading of this could be reforming utilitarian, basically. Yeah. Economic utilitarian. He's yes. Um, yeah. Anyway. I've, well, heard, like, I've heard it said as that, and the more I think about it, the more I think about it. Okay. That's, that's quite a fair assessment. So I suppose, it's not the only assessment. So I suppose we should talk a little bit about Char- the, uh, the man Dickens himself. Um, he was born in the, you know, early 1800s he died in i think you know sort of midlife what what would what we'd call today midlife in his 60s and he was a prolific writer Mid- whoa no no sorry he died 58 58 so, so yeah 60 so, so well that's midlife late. for people these days yeah. for more, and um for our generation of people wow what how many oh, books sorry, has he written sorry not not how many books has he written he has one two i don't know how many of the these children lived but he has one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine children. It seems like a lot more because the name, like they have quite long names. So when I looked at it, I'm like, wow! But they, you know, they, he had nine children, which is. I don't think all of them made it. To no, no, I would say that they probably didn't, but they all seem to have Wikipedia articles on them. Interesting. Which is really yeah. fascinating. So, um, yeah, I'm so just taking it. So, Dickens might oh, be so well known among some of our listeners because he's in ten children. Sorry, ten and children. forced to be read. Um, he's forced to be read in schools a lot of the time. And my first encounter with him was actually during university, and we had to read Great Expectations. Ah, Great Expectations. Uh, lo and behold, Victoria did not read this book. I watched the film though, the the the, the black and white one, which was excellent, but had a different ending. So my yeah. essay was a bit what? interesting. I've, I've never, I've never <laughs> read. I've never, I'm laughing. At Great you, Expectations but no, but is a read. very big book. The thing I is, think. the thing we need to understand about Dickens is that sometimes people. I look. I kind of since that then have ardently argued that I don't like Dickens, and that's because I didn't. I didn't like the way he wrote. I didn't like um, how many. I just didn't like how long and. Drawn out, it's I really felt good it was. That you and didn't it, reveal that to us when, when we suggested. No, no, that's because I had a, I had a. I'll go into this. This is why yeah. I didn't say anything. Because a friend of mine then said that Dickens was paid by the word, as as um, lots ah. of writers were with their serial um, uh, news, columns and newsletter yeah, column yeah, things. Yeah. And um, so he's paid by the word. So of course you're going to make them long and you know just add in bits that are maybe not as necessary as yes. if you were. Um, Paying for all the paper and you know trying to make the make the um, story as yeah. concise and economic as possible. Anyway, so I was talking to a friend about this, going a long Dickens spiel about how I didn't like any of it, and she said it's because you number one been reading the wrong one. People shouldn't start off with no. great expectations. Um, you should start off with, for instance, and shout out to uh, Elise. She said uh, our mutual friend is probably the best one to start off with. I don't know. I plan to read it. And she said that um, maybe it was someone else. Someone else said A Christmas Carol was another great one to start off with. And to be honest, as soon as I heard the first 
three minutes of this audiobook, I was hooked. I love the way he writes. I love the way he creates atmosphere and character through tonal shifts, tonal shifts in vocabulary and all. I thought it was – I can understand now why, why my lit lecturer was up there saying – He's one of the he's one of the masters of, of the English language of the nineteenth century. I completely understand now, but I was just yeah, great kind of upset that even high high schoolers are meant to read. What's the one they're meant to read? Fortunately, it's not I Oliver never, Twist is it? I th- actually, I think it is. Oliver Twist is not bad. Oliver Twist isn't all it's that. Made long. into a film and a musical. I've not seen either, but apparently it's quite good. Oh, the musical's great fun. Highly recommend that if you want a Dickensian musical. Um, if those two should even word? be, I don't know. Dickensian is a word. Yes, yeah, okay. yes, it is. Yeah, and so, <laughs> but, I mean, one of the reasons I love A Christmas Carol in particular, it's my favourite Dickens story, and the reason is is because it's a fantastic ghost story. Yeah. So yeah. quintessentially Victorian, because the Victorians were utterly obsessed with ghosts. All the, like, like seances, this is when all the sort of, the, the roots of, like, new agey supernatural stuff really took hold in the Victorian era for mm. whatever reason. So, <laughs> Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, for example... His wife was a uh, what we what we would now call a psychic, effectively, okay. allegedly, really? and he and Sir Arthur Conan Doyle had a massive falling out with Alfred Houdini, who was obviously the famous illusionist, uh, yes. and Houdini basically would kind of convince Doyle that. This stuff is all—it's all tricks. It's not real. And Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, for all his logic and his—you know—he's most famous character Sherlock Holmes, who's an advocate for what is right in front of your face. You know, you know the cold, hard material—you know, material reality. Sir Arthur Conan Doyle is utterly convinced. He believed in ghosts. He believed in all these supernatural—you know—all these okay. supernatural things. Utterly convinced. And so, the whole idea of—and this is a culture too that has—you know—had. So the, do you see that in Sherlock Holmes though? Does that come up? I haven't read Sher- I haven't read okay. all I haven't read a huge I've read a little bit of Sherlock Holmes, but I haven't never got around to finishing it because it's okay. quite a dense book. Um, but from my understanding of the character of Sherlock, he's very much a straight laced detective and doesn't abide by this you know. So it's a bit like there's kind of a Scooby Doo thing happening where it's like yeah, it's all tricks and men in masks, yeah, yeah, men in masks or whatever. So you know, but you know, the Victorians were totally, totally, totally wrapped in Mm. the whole. You know, so psychics, psychic, you know, the whole psychics took off, seances took off, Ouija boards were kind of a bit becoming a bit of a thing in this era as well. also, tarot cards were finally morphed from being just an ordinary card game played by soldiers um, into the more supernatural yeah. fortune telling type stuff. So it's really, really, it's a really interesting time period yeah. if you're actually interested in the history of um, superstition mm-hmm. and, and factor in the Enlightenment into that. Yeah, so you've this got is, this, we're now you've got just this, after the Enlightenment. Yeah, you've got this tension, this constant tension between the spiritual realm or the the supernatural should i say and um and empiricism yeah yeah um this and is the it's age the, of empiricism the, and positivism yeah it's it's this tension all the time and you can see it you can see it everywhere you can see it in Sherlock Holmes and um all those a lot of the gothic novels yes and you can see it in a lot of the um and these are the things i particularly like to delve into every once in a while the um the french gothic so like the phantom of the opera for instance mm-hmm. I mean, for those of you that have seen the musical, uh, it's got... Musical slash opera. Musical slash opera. I mean, it doesn't have much to do with the original book by Gaston Leroux, but basically the Phantom is this guy and there's a lot of mystery around him, but in the end it all comes down to science. He learns to 
um, manipulate mirrors. He learns to throw his voice. He can do all of this. However, it plays on the consciousness, the conscious uh, superstition of the uh, of the audience mm. and of the people of the time. It's really it's an interesting time to be alive. I would say, in our society now, we don't particularly leave room for anything that is not in the here and now material world. And I reckon that's why new age stuff has, has um, basically and and also rocketed into popularity because people are craving it and they're craving it in the wrong. um, Well, they're craving it and they're going back to basics effectively. They're craving it and going back. We've talked about about this this before. before. I think um, Chesterton talks about the, the pagans, whatever happened to the pagans. Um, they became Christians. What are we talking? That's about? what happened to yeah. the pagans, and it's kind of like like that. And now we're like post-Christian. People have to kind of now we're sort of. Where are they going to get? Well, they have to start again. In a week. Actually, no, not, not start again. That's is, not quite right. The, but like started a. Okay, this yeah. is an excellent segue because I also read um, Chesterton's essay entitled "Winter Feasts," which yes. talks about um, uh, basically Christ, the Christian. Christian's relationships with the Saturnalia feast yes. and all this sort of stuff. And he talks about how um, – this is a bit out of context, but it, it plays into this. He says we um, need to stop focusing on the reform and get back to the form. And he's talking about how we vulgarised Christmas and we and then um, labelled it as vulgar, and that's not the point. And he says that once we reform something and then we say that the form of it is the thing that's wrong, then we have to go back to the formless if that makes sense. And yeah. that's another way of basically saying it's you need to read the essay. I'm okay. not particularly that's paraphrasing fair. it properly, but it is talking about this going back to basics because we've gotten rid of something and we need to start from scratch again. Yeah. And this is where I reckon this new age business But it's is. not only but it's also the flip side of that. It, the new it's not just the, it's not just sort of the new age and the neo-pagan revival sort of thing. It's mm. also in you also see it in fundamentalism. And the fundamentalist strains of most modern more? religions. So fundamentalism is a profound reaction against material modern um, materialism, Which, and it rose. And it came out of this time 18th, period as 19th well, eighteenth, nineteenth century. That. Fundamentalist yeah. Christianity, fundamentalist Islam, fundamentalist, uh, and also you see a really strong, probably, and Juda- I'm not so sure about Judaism because I think the sort of the. Hasidic Judaism has a lot older roots, possibly, okay. but so I don't quote me on that. But the you know the big traditions saw a very very profound counter reaction to the Enlightenment and its materialism, and it was and for some people it was fundamentalism. Interestingly, okay. sorry. So it's a modern phenomenon because fundamentalism is made possible by two things. One is uh, lit- literacy rates high literacy rates in the population, and two, cheap printing. Interestingly, mm. um, if you want to learn more about this, a little bit of a plug here. Um, Dr. Robert Tilley, uh, we're mm. continuing the series. He started a series on um, reading the scriptures, and he talks about this um, a little bit, I think, in his first two episodes, looking at that it's interesting. I, th- I think he talks about this, that the first that these two things are kind of rising at the same time, that we kind of have this modern myth that fundamentalism is an uh, ancient throwback. Yeah, is a throwback, which it's not. It's not. It's actually arising at the same time as materialism. Yeah. As, as so, for example, medieval people weren't creationists. No, medieval people well, were not creationists. Crea- they're not in the, not in the sense, in the that, sense we, that we talk we, about. We, today, we talk yes. about now. They when they say that they believe that God made the world, it's because they literally didn't have 
any other evidence to the contrary because the science hadn't quite adve- the the way that we understood the world a, hadn't quite got to the point where we are. Philosophical, but it wasn't a philosophical because it, it wasn't you a philosophical had room problem. Within, well, you, you most certainly had room um, within well, St Thomas Aquinas to talk about that life aro- arises from what is now a defunct but seemingly okay thing at the time. Um, it's kind of like this. It's a bit strange. It's like um, the way that something decays, something can come out of it. It, yes. it makes sense in the sense of I'm looking at it and, oh, that's look, that looks like what happens. But given that, there was definitely room in the philosophy to say that, yes, life doesn't necessarily need to uh, come into existence uh, without any uh, material or efficient cause within the universe itself. Yeah. Um, so basically like so creation is a creationism which is a very very narrow view which rejects effectively the modern the, it effectively rejects our knowledge and our understanding of the way that the world is. They say the world is obviously 6000 you know 5 to 6000 years old and it happened Yeah, and it happened exactly like the Bible says it did. Well, medieval even the most even the most illiterate uneducated medieval peasant understood that genesis was not a science textbook yeah. you, had, you know you, that's, you, it, that's a, you, you look at the writing you look at the writings you look at historically the, the you look at the way they depicted it in their art forms you have different those those layers those layers of the text and that again this is what dr he talks he talks about a lot of this as well is yeah. that you have at the same time you have this rise of um, to what we have today, things being condensed to the tweet. Yes. Um, we're 20 minutes in. We should probably... Talk yes, about the Christmas carol. Yeah, yes. talk about a Christmas carol. Oh. Back to ghosts. Back to ghosts. <laughs> what, I find, what I find really interesting about the whole notion of the, go- of the Christmas ghosts and the whole, you know, Marley visiting him and everything, and you wonder, where's Marley in the afterlife? He's obviously not in hell because... You know, the souls in hell don't really come back to. Yeah, I was thinking the Victorians about it weren't really the Victorian, like the Victorian no. Englands were not into purgatory at all. That was papistry I'm, stuff, yeah, um, I'm, I'm paper a, stuff. Bit, yet they loved ghosts. I was, and I they was were thinking obsessed about with this. ghosts. I was thinking about this while I was listening to it. I mean, I don't. Someone could probably correct me on this, but the conclusion I sort of made was that it's not. I don't think Dickens was going for anything. No, he wasn't going anything Christian. that high theological. High, he was not, sort not of that high level kind theological. Of folk understanding of of the afterlife. Yeah. Because he's so like it's not as though this is completely un unchristian. Uh, not at all. Um, this is very very Christian. Having said that, though, there's a lot. There's, I don't know. There's a lot to say about that. Okay. We'll talk about that a bit later. No, let's talk about it now. We've only got. Well, I read this excellent article by um, Ryan Britt. It's called "How Charles Dickens Secularized Christmas Forever." And uh, it, it's really controversy. It's controversial. It's interesting. I, um, some of the ideas there, I think, um, are worth talking about. And it can be found on electricliterature.com or what? whatever it is. Can, can you explain why he... Okay, he starts talking his about... Thesis? his uh, Terrible at paraphrasing things, but this is the general gist I got from it. The fact is that uh, in A Christmas Carol, there's not... Um, Actually, can someone get the text up for me? Because I'm going to quote something that he quoted. Uh, um, what's it called? Sorry, yeah. No, 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 no. As in uh, the, the Christmas oh, Carol. And I shouldn't do it it's, I it's something that the nephew says. I'll read that and then I'll go into okay. it because it oh, makes a lot more okay. sense. Right, right, right. Um, sorry. I'll... The quote? The quote in question. Okay. Um, Luke, so, do you want to read it? Because it's Yeah, sure. Um, which is the quote? Sorry. Um, uh, hang on. It's, it's is it, there are many things from which I might have Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. 
So, um, so Scrooge's nephew, um, this is the line Victoria wanted, wanted me to read. And Scrooge's nephew says, um, There are many things from which I might have derived good, by which I have not profited, I dare say, returned the nephew. Christmas among the rest. But I'm sure I have always thought of Christmas time when it has come around, apart from the veneration due to its sacred name and origin, if anything belonging to it can be a part of it, as a good time, a kind, forgiving, charitable, pleasant, the only time I know of in the long calendar of the year when men and women seem, by one consent, to open their shut-up hearts freely and to think of people below them as if they really were fellow passengers to the grave and not another race of creatures bound on other journeys. And therefore, Uncle... Do you want me to stop there? That's, that's fine. That's, that's, yeah. yeah, that's the one I was thinking of. So this was quoted in the article, and it wasn't used as a proof. It was just used as an interesting item to muse upon the fact that Christmas... In, in, this, in this story, Scrooge doesn't go to church. Um, when he visits people who are observing Christmas correctly, they're partying. They aren't particularly solemn or observing the birth of um, Christ. And you said that was a solemn occasion anyway. Well, that's, that's <laughs> the thing. Anyway, and um, yeah, and then he was just saying that this is, Christmas has turned into sort of like a, a general day to be, to be nice. And he wasn't, okay. I, this guy, Ryan Britt, I don't, I know nothing about him. Perhaps he's religious, perhaps he's not. I got the distinct feeling that perhaps he's not. Um, he was just picking up on something interesting that's occurred in yeah. literature and then basically affected our society. And um, anyway, I just thought that was really interesting that he was bringing, because I'd never particularly thought about it that way. And I've never really thought about when this, this idea of Christmas came about. See, I, I kind of went into this with that sort of thought in my mind as kind of like a possible mm. uh, lookout for this. Um, to, to me, I think... Having said that, though, can I make a really quick yeah. little point here? I don't think that it's necessarily an evil thing. I think that this general starting point that we've got where all of like I've got Hindu friends friends of all different cultures they usually do something quite nice together as a family on Christmas they don't observe Christmas but no. they observe this social aspect of Christmas and I like that we've all agreed upon a day in this world where people really need to like think of each other as fellow passenger, passengers to the grave yeah I mean I think I don't think it's evil I think that it's not it's definitely not celebrating. It's not complete. It's not complete, but I think it's better than even, even though it was a kind of, I think, a bad thing to happen, it's a good starting point and people can it's, move it's from that. It's an interesting thing where it's kind of like, I think, if we were going to have in this world, if, we just, if it just needed to happen, mm. that we had to have basically a holiday that was kind of Goodwill. secularized enough to kind of have these, these um, not quite complete notions of, of like goodwill and things like that. I'm happy that of all things, it's a Christian one. Yeah. Because at least we have something, there's something to leverage there yeah. and to say, and people, it's a bit like, um, uh, what's his name? Um, Mark Barnes has that article about the, the change from um, BC and AD to BC. To CE and, and CE. oh, that is such an awkward turn of phrase as has, a historian. It, it I no refuse as as a little kid in my class once said, where are they counting it from? It's still Jesus. And I was like, you've got a point. That's exactly, and that's what Mark Barnes' article is basically about. Is yeah. that in the attempt to try and like for them to take it away, is that there's still something there. Yeah. There's still an there's still an a event little that's invisible occurred, bookmark. And people are going to and it could work. I don't know if Mark Barnes brings this up. He probably he probably does, but it could actually work against them because 
people can just get comfortable in these notions, these Christian notions that exist in the world mm. as simply as furniture. There. But once they're taken away and there's an obvious hole there, like yeah. it doesn't, anyone who thinks about it goes, well, hang on a second. And they start investigating it. Then it's in the front of their mind mm. as opposed to it being, being furniture. Yeah, exactly. And that's perhaps something that could happen. It could be a good thing in our present state of play. Not a historically good thing over a period of time that we've come to. But in terms of if we've got to work from something now, we might actually be in an okay position. That yeah, Christians, that's why I'm saying that I don't think it's evil. It's better It's better than, say, like for, from a Christian perspective, it's better than, than a Muslim holiday or a Hindu holiday or something like that because at least we have something to work with mm. as Christians. Mm. Um, the, other, the other thing too, I think I disagree with him in the sense that uh, that that Charles Dickens is secularizing Christmas because I don't think he really is. I find it very, very hard to believe though. I don't know. Like the, it could have just been like a kind of, um, uh, like a kind of attempt at like a lure headline, like trying to pull people in with that headline. You know, it was, it, it was, it was, very much, it was some clickbait there. I definitely wasn't thinking. But it wasn't, but like to, to me, I think that if Charles Dickens had made up this notion that it was a completely secularized holiday. Someone would have noticed. At the time like, period. Like, it just seems a bit absurd that it's just like he just makes up this entire story. <laughs> oh, no, but that's not what he's, sorry, that's not what he's actually oh, okay. arguing. I should, sorry. But, like, he's no, 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 kind of like, he, you know, is the, is the turning point. No, 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 and know? this is the thing. I think it's very much, maybe it's not a reaction, maybe it's, maybe it's uh, being formed from this, but at that time it was already becoming um, this commercialized, uh, event detached from a uh, religious social aspect. Think, Ge- George yeah. Bernard Shaw okay. says that whenever the time he lived, so he knew early Chesterton. Yeah, so, yeah, so he's a, he early, said 19th, early 20th century. He has this quote. I can't, I'm not going to quote it properly, but he says something along the lines of, uh, you know, Christmas only exists to um, uh, satisfy the tradesman or something. That's like It, does, it, has, it has no other reason to exist anymore. Um, and Chesterton says, well, that's a bit silly because I don't think, you know, Charlie, little Charlie and Tino who are like putting up their stockings are thinking of, you know, the good it will do the tradesmen. Um, <laughs> but it's just very interesting. Well, yeah. see, here's the funny thing though, because um, G.K. Chesterton was a huge fan of Charles Dickens. Charles Dickens is the liter- so literary... Because we, we were talking about this separately. No. I wasn't sure. No, so. no, Charles Dickens is the literary feature that he is in... in, in the English-speaking world and, indeed, all over the world because Chesterton made a decision. You were right, Evan. Well done. No. I heard this somewhere, but I'm not sure if it's Chesterton made a distinct effort to revive Dickens. There you go. Like, he made a distinct effort to revive Dickens and he did it very, very intentionally. So, see, here's the thing. I think think with, with The Christmas Carol, Charles Dickens is assuming knowledge. He is assuming we know what the real meaning of Christmas is. And what he is is he's he's celebrating this amazing blending of old and new traditions of, you know, things that all these amazing things to that 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 the English were do, starting to do and have always done to celebrate Christmas. Yeah, I don't know. It's just I don't. But Scrooge's transformation is a very Christian one. It's, it's a, you know it's it's it's, it's 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 a redemptive story. It's a redemptive story that a man confronted with the sins of his past the goodness in his presence and the potential for, of his future sees it and takes heart and changes it. And like, that, is that not the ultimate Christian well, story? Uh, and also the, the other thing too is that Marley's um, 
doom, I guess, the, the situation that he is in, he, he describes as It's one being, of his own making. And but part he, one inter- of- interestingly, he describes as being because he didn't connect with people around him during his, his earthly life. Mm, so there's a focus on community. That's yeah. very much so, yeah. That, to me, is a very, um, yeah, is absolutely uh, It's absolutely Christian. Absolutely. We do not exist in a vacuum. Okay, um, we're, we're really, really running out of time. And we and should wrap that up and let should, you guys get back to your up, Christmas. I feel like we haven't really talked about it. Uh, we talked around it, but we haven't talked about it. Um, I guess, well, I mean, I guess this, a lot has been said already. Like, I don't think we can possibly say much more than what many people who've gone before us have, have said about this. It's a fantastic, gro- it's a great it's story. Great, um, it's a great I mean, story. It's a great story. Look out, look, look out for, I think it has some great implications for today. Look out for the commentary by uh, the ghost of Christmas present on the approach to uh, those who are considered to have no worth in the world. Uh, things about uh, surplus population, to use ah, Scrooge's yes. term. Yes. Um, things like that. It's fascinating to see how that is still around today. Um, it may not necessarily be the thoughts of of the miserly old... Um, Bean counting. Yeah, Scrooge, but it definitely has made its way into into our politics, and it was possibly part of the politics of... of um, oh, it certainly was. It, it certainly was. Like, it's a potato Nothing's famine changed. time. We had, like... <laughs> we had that was, what, this world, is, pota- this world, is potato world famine was time. one-seventh of the population or something back then. Like, I mean... This this prob this this complaint that there's too many people in the world is not a new one. I can certainly tell you there's yeah. evidence of it going back to the ancient world. So, which is kind of funny. And it's always um, the wrong kind of people. There are too exactly. many of, and that's and that's exactly right. And that's the point that the Ghost of Christmas Present makes. So there's a very fascinating um, commentary about that in there. Yeah, I think I think it's a great, it's a fantastic story that really. And captures... I think it's a, it's a great story for it's a great story for anyone of all ages. Like small children can still take something out of this. I mean, maybe not. Don't show them the the newer, yeah, um, the new the, saying, the, the, yeah. the new. Apparently, I've heard for, on good authority that the new Jim Carrey movie is very true to its nature as a ghost story and can be mm. quite terrifying. So yeah, uh, maybe, maybe don't show them that movie. Read them the story. The story, the story is very readable. I mean, the narration lends itself so well to it's fantastic. To being read aloud, it's fantastic. Uh, re- read aloud. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll have to wrap it up there. Because um, it's we, Christmas. It is. It is, and um, we we hope that all our listeners are having a great Christmas season. Um, in our Catholic calendar, Christmas is an octave. It's I eight think. days. Eight days. Well, it runs from Christmas Eve till the Epiphany. Till well, yes, Christmas so that's, Day that's till the 12, Epiphany. That's twelve days, I think. But the official octave, I think, runs till the New Year, um, which is a fantastic feast, um, the Solemnity of Mary, the Mother of God. Um, and so we hope you're having a wonderful time, and we will see you next time on Catholics Read as we read something a little bit more related to the Epiphany. Yes, uh, the, gift the gift of the Magi. Of the Magi. Um, so. We'll See you then. Bye. 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 That was an episode of Catholics Read from cradio.org.au.